So, have you been watching anything cool lately other than devs? We talked about devs last week. Did you see any new movies or any shows that are of interest? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I've been watching. Uh, I feel like the, the this past few days has been a little light on my uh, watching of stuff. Mostly, what I've been watching is uh, Sam play Animal Crossing. But uh, yeah, I've been playing Animal Crossing, so I know that <laughs> that's me too. Honestly. Yeah, I tried to download. Uh, I mean, I did. I did download Stardew Valley, um, which is like sort of an 8-bit side-scroller thing that uh, Sam recommended that's basically like Animal Crossing. And um, mostly what he does in that, in his game is fish. And so I was like, well, that's what I'll just mainly do in Stardew Valley. And I tried it, and the fishing is frustrating as all hell. I which is get it down. one thing about Animal Crossing, nothing is frustrating. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Everything is just like, I mean, the other day I was playing and the only, I think there's one consequence in the game similar to an injury or like you lose and it's getting stung by a bee. <laughs> yeah, yep. And nice. I just kept getting stung by bees, but it's <laughs> like fine, nothing really happens. You just get stung and you kind of have like an ugly face and everyone right. you talk to goes it's like, <laughs> whoa, your face is ugly. And you're like, right. yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for commenting directly on it. The first thing you say, everyone in town. <laughs> and then they don't say anything else unless you <laughs> fix it. No one. Yeah. Everyone's just like, holy crap, you're ugly. Yeah. It's like, thanks. I but, did. Uh, one thing I did watch uh, after you mentioned it um, in our last episode was The Sopranos. I watched the first episode of The Sopranos. Never seen it before. Um, I also haven't even seen that. I actually, how? Tell me what you thought before it, I. Uh, I mean, it was really good. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, the I had sort of been skeptical of it for a while because a lot of people had recommended it, and I was like, I don't know, mob show, meh. Uh, but someone told me the detail of the first episode, which is not spoiling much because it's revealed right away. Is uh, the first episode, and I think the basic conceit of the show is that tony soprano is having panic attacks and he's going into therapy and that's like how this story is told it's like him telling his therapist about his life and like what wow. leads up to his panic attacks and stuff and it's really interesting it's really cool that sounds good that sounds um, good i yeah, yeah maybe i'll check that out too i probably sound so funny right now just being like wow that sounds good yeah it's the <laughs> sopranos dude yeah one of the most it is good you know of all time ever yeah no i i definitely am gonna check that out too uh yeah. i started it's funny you started a pilot because i started a pilot yeah lost oh abby watched... really wanted to watch a new show I haven't right. really been watching because I, I kind of want to revisit it maybe in a new lens at some point. You, you have watched Lost, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. But not since yeah. I was a kid. That's right. why I'm saying like it could uh, be a future. Be... So I just kind of turned it on, watched the first. I mean, I watched the whole first episode because the pilot is one of those. Oh, you remember. Yeah. It just Absolutely. draws you in. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting rewatch. It's been a while. Um, Lost is one of the best pilot episodes of all time. I mean, it presents I, so many questions in such interesting ways and establishes character like really I would quickly say, really well. I don't know if it's all J.J. Abrams, but it feels like very J.J. Abrams. And the feelings it has are like, oh, wow, that might be my favorite that he's done. As far yeah. as like, 
it, that and maybe Super 8. I really like Super Ooh, 8. But, Super 8. Which I also just recently watched. So oh, that's nice. Kind of a nice. Yeah, that, that was on JJ uh, Street. I think Hulu. It was yeah, it was better than I remembered. I was like, wow, this is actually like really cool. He did a he made a good movie here. I, I like remember this. loving that movie. Super yeah, it, yeah, it's I I loved it, and then I watched it again a few years ago when I was in my bitter streak, and you know, I was, uh, your your bitter streak. You know, I was watching movies and and just not liking oh, anything. Sure. I, you know, we I think everyone goes through a well, maybe not. I don't know if you went through a phase where you just didn't like anything, but uh, I went through a little phase there where. I was just oh, I hating remember. on everything I watched. I think you were watching too much of uh, your movie sucks, which I, you know, like I. Everyone goes through that phase. <laughs> I can, you know, yeah, I've watched a bunch of that dude's videos. Like, I, mad respect, but also like, he's just so critical, and that's not the way I like to watch. Yeah, watch it's stuff, a style know? of critiquing that is usually not something I attune to, but. Yeah, I'm like these I'm going days... into it to try and enjoy it, you know. That's yeah, and and appreciate the the work someone put into bringing their vision to life. That's amazing. Yeah. Even yeah. uh yeah, either way. But another um, thing, another thing I watched uh I watched this yesterday. Um it's not technically a film, but it's it was the uh the filmed performance of the National Theater in London their show one man, two governors, with uh, James Corden as the lead character, who I'm like kind of whatever about, but he was, <laughs> he was good. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I feel very whatever about it. But uh, actually, I bring it up partially because um, uh, one thing I noticed in this episode that we watched for today, which we'll get to eventually, is the absolute classic comedic uh, setup of guy is hungry <laughs> like that is, <laughs> that is so much of the humor in one man two governors is just this dude is so hungry <laughs> yeah why is that so funny it's funny it <laughs> because is it's universal everyone knows what yeah. it's like to be like oh man i'm so hungry and right now you know what's even funnier is everyone knows what it's like to hear a dude complain about it <laughs> when, you know just like babe <laughs> When's dinner? You know, like I don't know. It's just like yeah, classic. Right. Yeah, um, and no one, no one is like that. It's a, it's a, a subject of humor in which no one is being targeted, and no one can get offended by like, wow, okay, he's hungry. Wow, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, we've all it's been class. There, man. That's the best comedy is just just stuff everyone can appreciate and laugh with. Yeah. You know, James Corden eats. So much food on stage in that show. Um, I respect that because eating on stage is different than eating in a film. Because oh yeah. most of the time when you're eating on stage, you're in your head not just eating that one time. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to have to do this like over and over. I mean, you had to rehearse well, yeah. it over and over. Yeah. I mean, name one stage performance that wasn't a string of performances. You know, aren't they all like one of many? I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's circumstances where there would be only one show, but the the, the idea yeah, like the live TV Peter like, Pan or whatever, or, maybe. right? Sure, or but I, you know, yeah. yeah, but that's part of the the whole magic of it is that it's something they're doing and you know they memorize, so they have to do it over and over. That poor bastard must have eaten a lot of food. Oh my god! And like every night so much food, and then not only that, but the part is extremely physical too. So just like. 
Oh, oh my God. He's got to like do like roll around on the ground and like jump up and down and be racing around, like literally running back and forth around the stage after just eating like a, a pork loin and literally <laughs> a piece of paper. It's like, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. And, but the most entertaining part is just like the audience involvement because he brings a Ooh. lot of people up on stage and like makes them feel real uncomfortable, which is, uh, especially in these times right now. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to see something like that. I love audience involvement in live theater. It's probably my favorite thing about it. Even if it's not pulling an audience member on stage, just the fact that the audience is there, you're yeah. aware of it when you're performing, and that changes things every night. A good audience and a bad audience is a thing in live theater. It's not really a yeah. thing in film. Like, yeah, you can go to the movies and be a film goer and have your experience right. ruined by a... But as a director, once you put your movie out, how the audience reacts will not change your movie, you know? That's true. There's one moment <laughs> from One Man, Two Governors that I want to spoil because I loved it so much. And it's exactly about, like, the audience is going to be different every night. He has a bit where he goes to the audience and he's like, please, does anybody just have a sandwich? Like, any sort of, like, ham and Swiss or provolone. And this dude in, like, the fourth row holds up a sandwich. And he's literally <laughs> like, I've got a sandwich right here. And James Corden is just like, of all the nights, <laughs> we're recording this one. And this <laughs> night, someone has a sandwich. What the hell? It was, it was very good. <laughs> so, like, totally unscripted. Just an actual yeah. audience member. That's yeah. amazing. That's oh, one of the most fantastic. fun things to watch. I'm going to start bringing a sandwich with me to every live theater performance <laughs> yeah, I go to now. Just, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a new lens uh, that we're doing here, which is us, you know, taking things from the past. Where if you're just joining in for this first step, for, for this episode first, uh, we're checking out Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode. And boy, howdy, Gary. What an episode that we have. It's just crazy how quickly this show becomes just so big. Yeah. We're yeah. on episode three, which is actually kind of like episode two, because the right. first two were one. And already I have so... I, I We'll get into it, but yeah. it's just... It really it broadens the world more than most shows do in a whole season, episode by episode. It's brilliant. Yeah. This suppose... episode was called... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I suppose before we get into uh, episode three, is there anything from last episode that you wanted to uh, touch on, or any anything? Uh, just for example, I just uh, I noticed. Uh, shout out to Emily uh, commented on our last post, just pointing out uh, how important, like the intro sequence being told by Katara and uh, all of the uh, indigenous uh, influences that are in the Water Tribe, and how storytelling is very influential in those uh in those uh societies and how just fucking cool it is that uh they work that in in that way and that they're starting this whole thing by storytelling in that way as well i don't know just wanted to shout that out anything else from last episode no one did comment wow. about how uh that little girl ang will miss you which i'm a little disappointed about that girl, she, I don't know, I feel so bad for her when she does that. It's one of the sweetest moments in television history. Yeah, Whoever, which I will say, kind of about this last episode, mm -hmm. uh, or the first episode, and this one, I didn't mention it, the voice acting on this show is Ooh. perfect. Yeah, especially like 
just unique voices that are specifically suited. Like, I cannot imagine Zuko having any other voice, you know? He is a dude that I will see little clips of at a con or whatever. And the actual guy will just get up to the mic and start talking, being himself. Mm -hmm. And it makes me just well up inside thinking about just how much I, I, you know, he's a great, just a great actor. All of them are. Oh, yeah. All of them. Episode three, I don't have it in front of me. What what was the title again? The Southern Air Temple. Oh, man. We've got two fantastic storylines side by side throughout this one. It's just very straightforward back and forth between these two. Both of these stories are just like very succinct. They're they're building upon what was set up and setting up for, for the future, but also just like perfect uh, stories in themselves. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be something we say a lot because that's yeah. one of my favorite things about the show is how, how well it can tell it's a little singular story, but that little story is part of that bigger one. It's like uh, what I forget who made a. Vi- I think it was Captain Midnight made a video about how. Yeah. The it's similar to that um, the train heist episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, you totally. could just show anyone that episode. And they'd be like, wow, this show's awesome. Yeah. And they might not watch anymore, and that's fine. And they'll get a whole little thing. They have like a little mini movie. Right. Or you could watch the whole show, and that fits into the show like a piece of a puzzle. And Absolutely. Avatar did that from the beginning. It's lit- it's doing that episode three. And yeah, I I love both stories so much. Yeah. They're let's start with uh let's start with um Aang and Katara and Sokka's side. Getting I, to the Southern Air Temple. Let's yeah. talk about that. I mean, I love even just opening up, uh, just showing you like that they are traveling, like them packing up camp, and like even the minor detail of like Ang's tightening the ropes on on Appa's horns. You know, like yeah, I loved that. It's so cool too how comfortable they are as friends, and that's something that just I. I love their, and you're comfortable with them too as a group. It doesn't feel weird that they're all just already, you know, we're already camping together and traveling together. It's so natural and it's awesome. Yeah, even aside, even like setting aside the like huge experience of everything that happened in the first two episodes to them, to bring them together, that like setting up camp implies the travel and like, strengthens the fact that they've been spending time together and the goofy bit of like uh ang making Sokka think there's a snake in his sleeping bag which is so awesome and something like love, a kid like i love the totally animation whenever they do little bits like that like ang's yeah. face just like <laughs> like when he's got the yeah. stick and stuff like that it just makes it yeah. cracks me up but all of that makes the moments later on like, much more poignant. You know what I mean? We'll get to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I could have started the episode already in the air on Appa, and it would have kind of picked up where the last one left off, because they left off traveling. But yeah. starting with that, it's yeah, this, it's just a little decision that makes for a lot of character development as a group, as their group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, gosh. And then I love when they are flying, the idea that, you can only get there by bison. He's like, I yes. don't know. They might still be there because you, he's not. He can't imagine that the fire t- fire nation could have gotten there anyway, because 
and then they fly like straight up and it's just yeah. so cool you can only get there by bison and it just is this beautiful air temple surrounded by just gaping nothing like valleys of nothing and right. mountains and i love that uh the show thinks about how the bending and the abilities that these uh different like groups have would totally influence the way they live like right they the airbend way- they fly so of course they would live high up above and secluded they're monks you know yep. yep and it makes sense also why ang is so like i don't know why it fuels his naivete at the at the situation you know like they have totally. said like the airbenders are extinct <laughs> like have been for a hundred years definitely no one's seen one and he's like well how do you know though just because no one's seen one and also like how would they even get up there the only way is by air is, is by bison so it's like I, i'm kind of on his side it's like but i mean also knowing that uh he's about to get his heart crushed is tragic but it's like yeah i mean i want to go check out and be sure and see for myself too yeah what if they just locked themselves up and said we're not going to have a part in this war that's totally something he could have seen because again kind of reiterating from the last episode ang is born from a time where war wasn't a thing yeah like in his time they were in an era of peace so he's thinking in that mindset you know yeah (laughs) i i wrote a quick note um coming to what we were talking about in the opening there is an animation a style of Sokka's face when they first arrive at the air temple and he's hungry and Katara's like talking to him and she's like oh calm down with it and he's just got a line at the bottom of his yes. head I know that exactly the one you're talking about makes me laugh so fucking hard me too oh my god it's just like yeah (laughs) oh man oh man yeah shortly after you start to see like the slow sinking in for ang of you start to see this like taking place in his head when he says just like man it's just crazy how much things have changed like this used to be a bustling you know utopia of green green and animals and lemurs and bison and it's just like man just things are different that's the first notion that you see him like that start to break into his head you know what i mean yeah i love how the episode does show us that too it's this show uses animation to its advantage better than oh it's just brilliant the way it like will transition from you know the the site now to when ang was there in the past oh that flashback. and i don't think i yeah i don't think i'd ever fully like noticed or like paid attention to the fact that how many bison and how many lemurs not just people Mm -hmm. like you know about that because they've been drilling it in our heads like it's a whole like it's a whole people but there's like a whole system they've got a whole system a whole there's more than just them there's their it's just like a social system an ecosystem that was destroyed because of the war yeah it's heart it's it's beyond heartbreaking and yeah it's like those little little moments like katara covering up the fire nation helmet with snow you know decisions like that are decisions that i just find so uh i don't know mature like things like as a little kid i would think like wow what would i do you know 
And I just, I, this show just addresses so much stuff that you wouldn't expect a show that knows what its audience is to address, you know? Yeah. You you sort of see that moment and you're like, ah, she's just a kid. She's not facing it. And even Sokka is like, you know, you can't protect him for forever. But also like kind of what a mature decision that is to like see Aang be going through the, the process of learning and watching his spirits drop and being like, I think this might be too much for where he's at right now. You know what I mean? And trying she to help ease him that. through that, which I'm not saying it's like the best way. Like ultimately, I'm just saying like there's a lot more thought process that goes into that than just like, oh shit, we should just hide this because he can't know. You know? Yeah, and no, exactly. And it's her making that decision because she's experienced great loss, and right. not that Sokka hasn't, but it's very clearly like something that she carries with her daily and like it's part of her character you know yeah. the loss yeah. that she's experienced and yeah yeah she knows what it would put him through to just realize it suddenly like that i do find it just a little bit funny that when when they're flying up uh she's trying to like get ang to like think about it a little bit more and she's like no you don't understand the the fire nation is heartless they killed my mother it's like, they killed a lot of fucking people in Qatar. I mean, like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, that, that's the one that's personal to her. But just the way she says it is like, they would they would kill my mother. Like, <laughs> a person. Like, yeah, they waged war on the entire world. They killed a <laughs> lot of people. I mean, they are just, truly heartless. Yeah. They are heartless. <laughs> they They're killed. bastards. A woman. <laughs> Wait, which one of them did it? My no, mother. no, like the whole. They're all they. Yeah, it's a war. It's a whole thing, man. That's yeah. like, come on, Katara. Uh, we touched on it briefly, but that that Monkeyazzo flashback, and oh, what a cool glimpse! Cool into, way to do it with the statue yeah. transitioning yep. into his face, and yep. then I loved that. They, uh... And the secret, and he's talking about the fucking cakes. <laughs> I loved that. I and I loved how you could tell when he was bending the cakes how he was like using hot air because it was like yeah. steam, yeah. and he's like bending the steam to make them look the way they looked. Totally. Um, and I would say for sure, Monkeyazzo and who we're about to get to when we start talking about Zuko's little story, mm. uh, Commander Zhao, Ooh. are just two more excellent additions to not just the cast yeah. of characters but the voices yeah they just bring so yeah. much like tell me right now you don't want to bake cakes with monkey Yatso three 100%. seconds into him speaking like you see him you're like this dude's dope and then as soon as he opens his mouth you're like i want to be his pupil i want to <laughs> yeah, like 100 <laughs> i want to hang out with him forever yeah it's so cool and you get a glimpse of like the wisdom bestowed on ang from studying with these monks um uh and also uh i mean it's to show that he's jovial and fun and that's where ang gets that from as well but also kind of what a shithead to just make these cakes just to blow them on those <laughs> dudes heads <laughs> they didn't even see it coming you know and like was... those are those are his fellow teachers like can you imagine if you worked you're an english teacher at a school and someone comes in and just drops a pie on your head. And it's like, you baked with this pie. With a student laughing with them. Yeah, right. It's like, <sighs> I'm reporting you to the principal, man. 
Although maybe awesome. Monkey Yato, do you think Monkey Yato is like in charge? In charge? I always felt like that wasn't there. Well, we'll see in the future. I feel like yeah. there was uh, almost like a council of elders or something. Yeah, I think he's part and of he the was, council. Yeah. yeah, and they kind of make decisions for each other. Like, if it's a decision about Gyatso, he has no say, but everyone else does. And, yeah. you know, similar yeah. to other people in the in the council. It's um, something like that. And not spoiling um, anything about the council, but I think the four people that they throw the cakes onto are the rest of the council. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I, <laughs> I recognize... Right. I recognize so they are just, faces. like, the leaders of this... Of the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, he's just throwing cake on their head. Yeah. Airball, yeah, is so cool. Really dope. The the show will take like a one minute little thing like that, and in most shows where it will feel like a a a time where there's some comedic relief or an action scene just to keep your you invested because the show it knows that it's a young audience that might only have about fifteen ten to fifteen minutes of slow stuff investment. And then they need something in that story to, like, keep them involved. Right. But the way that the show does that, it, like, it shows us so much more about his skills as a bender and about the world that they're in and the sports in this world. And yeah. I don't, I just, I love that. It makes me feel more immersed while keeping my attention. It takes that little lighthearted break as an opportunity to accomplish, like, four different things at once. And also, <laughs> another example of, uh... What a shithead. <laughs> Come on. Sokka had no chance. What was he going to do with that ball? That's, that is exactly <laughs> like Sam being like, do you want to play some Smash Bros? And me being like, yeah. And him being like, I'm bad though. I haven't played in years. And then just whooping my ass. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah. Transitioning so, into Zuko's story with Iroh. Ooh. The I mean the first moment is them pulling in to like a Fire Nation I don't know, like city camp, like army base or something like that. And just the size of his ship compared to the others. Like in the first episode you're like, that's kind of a big ship, right? I mean like it's clearly like an initial but especially like, you know, when it's coming into the, the Southern it, Water yeah, Tribe and it like destroys like, the whole shit, that's huge. <laughs> it's like tiny. But now, we just think about how small the Water Tribe is. That Southern yeah. Water Tribe it just gets Damn. smaller and smaller as the show goes on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. Like, Sokka and Katara leaving is like 10% of the town leaving. That's yeah. nuts. <laughs> right. Actually, more when you think about it. It's probably closer to 20% or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Oh, I loved how... Iroh, in this in the moment where they first meet Zhao, Zuko just wants to blow him off to try to get out of the situation and not have to talk about what happened. Yeah. And Iroh kind of has a moment where it's one of those things, they do it perfectly, where he's just being funny, classic Iroh, being like, no, let's have some tea. But right. in reality, that's his wisdom kind of shining through, being like, you got you to gotta talk to this dude or he's going to know something's up. Yeah, right. No, totally. And also, a little bit, <clears throat> kind of shows their their bond uh especially at the beginning of the conversation that's one thing that i wrote down is just like um they both have this un you know unspoken shared like looking at each other like we can't totally. tell him what just happened and they're like yeah uh 
You tell him what happened, Iroh. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, right. We we crashed, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're bad at it, but they have it. You know, right. it's yeah. like the start of the bond. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, like, I love they're, it. they're not good at it, but it's clearly they, they have something there, whereas pretty much all we'd seen before this was Zuko being like, Shut up! Teach me how to fire, Ben! I must catch exactly. the Avatar! And, and Iroh just being like, I'm eating my roll stuck. <laughs> I love the uh, the scenery of the Fire Nation. This is, mm. I think it's the first time we've been there, right? Yeah. No? Yeah, and I've, I loved how they they showed it mostly at like sunset, mm-hmm. and like the I don't know, it just it looked like we were in a fire nation, literally. Yeah. Like I mean, the nation was on fire. The colors, the way right. the uh, armor is designed and stuff. We've seen little bits of that because we saw Zuko and his gang of gang of dudes, but now right. I feel like we're getting a full understanding of what this is as a nation you know what they use to build you know uh, it's also it's also like really good episodic composition because we've got these two storylines that we're going in between and everything in the fire nation has this like clear orange tint and like orange settings and orange and red uh contrasted with the deserted cold uh abandoned southern air temple and just going in between it's like very very easy and digestible to code switch between those stories and know exactly where you're picking back up because of the color palettes used and the art style. I mean, we've talked about like broader design, but even those little things are like, so yeah, you could just have a wide shot of a building and you know, right away, like, Oh, I'm in the fire nation. I'm probably going to zoom in and Zuko and Iroh are going to be in that building. You just already get it. We didn't even talk about, uh, an Aang storyline. I guess we might have to go back to it for the end of both storylines because yeah. we got we learn a lot about the avatars like reincarnation cycle yeah he uh goes into the avatar state which in this time because he did that in the last episode but this time he announces right. himself yeah that's a thing he realizes what's actually going down and is like all right i'm gonna tell everyone i'm here they're gonna know the avatar has returned that's a choice do you think that's a choice because i was thinking about that it's like when he goes into the avatar state it's not it's not necessarily i mean it doesn't seem to me it didn't seem to me when watching it that it was like entirely purposeful but this time it announces and like makes all of the you know temples glow across the globe which incredibly badass and also another thing i wrote was just when when all of the statues light up and it spirals up the tower and all, there's those statues all the way up the tower it's like this is decades and decades and like millennia of the avatar cycle like holy shit um yeah why why didn't that happen the last time he was in the avatar state do you think that it is so, a choice what my theory is is i have two i'm just thinking of a second the first one is that um maybe he needed to go into that room and face his past lives in order to kind of like connect with you know that spiraling because that starts it Hmm. that's that's the thing i just thought of now but what i'm thinking is um which makes more sense to me is maybe that the avatar state is kind of like when you know he gets super super pissed and lashes out Mm -hmm. so if you know you were to like 
do something to him involving earth he would get super super pissed and lashed out with earth like he did when they put him in water he like lashed out with water Mm -hmm. and i think this is a specific thing where he's like he has someone to be mad at but they're not there Mm. so he's lashing out just to the world like now he knows that the world is in this state and he's letting the world know so consciously as like ang just hey he doesn't think like i'm gonna let everyone know that i'm that i'm back but his right. anger mixed with the feelings of who he's angry at probably had the avatar state i don't know that kind of makes sense to me just like a subconscious like yo yeah. i'm back yeah that makes sense plus i guess like um i don't know like uh in the when he goes into the avatar state he's channeling all of the spirits of the previous avatars um which i think that's not like spoiling anything to say like that's kind of i feel like that's established sort of i don't know maybe maybe I'm i think it's implied right now much. for sure it's implied right now but um the the first time they those spirits join him to be able to bring him out of a life or death situation to be able to like help save the avatar like he's drowning he's underwater so we all come for that reason but in this he's in such a state of duress that they all like all of the spirits come to like help him address that and i think i I like that sort of like i don't know shouting out to the world as a more conscious thing but not on ang's part as like all of the avatars have observed but also totally I, I don't know like do you do you think they would be smarter than to announce to the fire nation as a whole that the avatar is back i think that it's one of those moments of wisdom in the show similar to katara deciding whether or not to show him him deciding whether or not to announce himself is a moment of uh Maybe he's not wise enough to know that yet, but the mm-hmm. past avatars, his mm-hmm. past lives know, like, okay, it's time for the world to know there's hope. Yeah. You know? There is hope. Because that, the first thing in the show, when Katara gives the mm. uh, the story about the avatar, and there's nobody standing there, right. it's almost this thing like, I hope there's an avatar, and I hope he returns. She knows he will, but she it's like this hopeful mm. thing. Now that he's back and he's standing on the rock, it's almost like he will do this when the when the shot, you know, every single yeah. beginning of the episode, and we see him on that rock, we know. And maybe this is his way of doing that for the world, letting the world know, mm-hmm. like, there's something to, to fight for now. It's right. not just like, you're going to fight, 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 and then in the end still get taken out. Like, now, now we've got someone on our side, you know? I like that a lot. And I also love, I love how they bring him back down from it you know and we alluded to this moment but just going up and saying you know i know this is hard and but you know we are your family now be you Mm -hmm. know come back to the present moment and see what you have right now and that is us and we we are your family and that is well enough established throughout the episode even in the what less than an hour or slightly more than an hour of television that we've watched so far you're already like yeah yeah it's brilliant it's writing and voice acting and just everything combined in one to make you believe that they're family and just uh, it's awesome we didn't i love that we didn't even quite touch on this point um uh is just the fact that monk giazzo's skeleton is what sends him off on that i mean yeah that it's something i think skeletons are 
to kind of talk about it from a new lens as this podcast is Uh when i was a kid skeletons never really got me you know like in the goonies when they came on a skeleton they're like "Ah!" i just always thought of it as like this halloween prop right you know what i mean moved from what a person it is somehow in my age it's become a person without anything but bones and that freaks me out yeah that felt really dark this time watching it i was really surprised i don't know if it's probably still a thing like kids shows and kids movies these days having i mean coco but coco's (laughs) different because that's like more you know like i don't know if that's skeletons or more the uh stylized like you know that's like i don't even want to that's a whole thing i could get into and (laughs) but it still is kind of like i don't know it's it's freaky he just is going through and he's so happy in that moment chasing momo yeah and then he runs out and boom the person he's looking for too yeah oh oh it's morbid um but uh back to the zuko iroh side of things uh general zhao yeah um so they're having tea and zhao basically just he's a bastard he just asks their whole crew what happened and them to get them caught in a lie but it's not even to be able to like turn them in it's just to be able to be like you lied you know he's a bastard (laughs) he is the first like real villain you know and i think that's super important because immediately this person who was established as sort of the cartoon like I must get the Avatar. The Avatar is the protagonist, and I'm trying to capture him. I'm the bad guy. It's like, (laughs) no, he's a more developed character, and that is shown in this episode. You know, we learn about his banishment more, and Zhao is introduced, and what a fucker, man. And just Hugh Jackman-looking ass. Goddamn. I was just going to say that. Yeah. If if this was a live action and Hugh Jackman didn't play him, huge loss. That would be a tragedy. Huge loss. Uh-huh. We, yeah. I kind of feel like we need to wait even long. Although, okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself in like three different ways. I kind of feel like we need to wait to do like a live a- action avatar until we can like really do it right. Like the technology is there and the CGI and like all the motion capture and everything is like able to really do it justice and i don't even know if we're there yet although i did hear which is what i was about to interrupt myself with that netflix is making a new series like a live action i've heard that avatar so which i i don't know what to think about but you know we'll we'll touch on that as it comes out i suppose um just to give it my one minute two cents i think a really cool live action avatar show could be a show that takes place like thousands of years later Hmm. and the art of bending is gone is like a myth and it's lost and the new avatar is someone who doesn't even believe in bending Hmm. and the show is about so then the bending in the show would all be super minimal because you know how from avatar to korra it almost became hard like i didn't watch a lot of korra i still need to i'll admit maybe maybe for the show yeah maybe we'll do that show um but one thing I noticed right away was how creative it almost felt like, wow, they must have had to think really hard to be able to still get creative with bending after having a whole show of it 
and now introducing new concepts and you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like a really cool way to just kind of is if we go back in time, I'm sure the original benders were doing really basic level, you know, not thinking super outside of the box. And then they could make like the finale of the show where all the money is. And I don't know. Sure. That's my one minute, two cents. I think that could be cool. I'm in for it. So back to Zhao. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Sorry uh, to scare the shit out of all of our listeners. (laughs) Back to Zhao. I have, I know it's after he finally, uh, Zhao finds them out and he's like, oh, so you didn't uh, have the avatar at all. So, uh, and then his uh like a soldier comes in and he's like hey yeah he was lying the crew said that he did have the avatar <laughs> and that uh, soldier there are like 500 of him you know yeah. <laughs> that, oh that, that one guy that i think the first real like oh i hate you so much moment is <laughs> tell me once again how your ship was damaged it's like ah you <laughs> fucker <laughs> yeah you already got us just you be like fuck us. you, you know on. just um but i have i have written after oh i think it's oh i know what it is it's it's after the um the next time they flash back he uh he's saying zhao is saying like i i am going to be the one to get the avatar now um screw you and zuko's like but this is literally my only path of redemption and zhao is like well if your father really wanted you he uh he would accept you back avatar or no avatar I think this is after that moment. And he storms out. And uh, Iroh is just like, more tea, please. (laughs) (laughs) Read the room, man. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really... Oh, man, that's hard hitting when you think about it. Because that's probably something Zuko already thinks about all the time. Yeah. You know? And he's just got to, like, he's got to be single-minded in, because uh, how else would you function as like a you know 16 year old or whatever banished by your father other than to just be like well if i do this thing if i do this one thing then i will be able to win his respect back i think um, i think i got something flipped around i just want to correct uh, there's another moment that he like uh kind of embarrasses zuko and he asks for more tea the father thing is what leads him to be like agni kai Tonight. Oh yeah, that's what I was just gonna say to yeah. Agni Kai. Oh, and what a good... Agni Kai is so. Oh, it's so it's cool. A duel. It's just a firebending duel. A firebending duel, of course. It's just, and it, and you kind of get an idea. Kazuko says something about facing the. What does he say? And then the shot of just his it's, scar. Uh, 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 Iroh says. Um... Are you sure? Do you remember what happened? The, don't you remember what happened the last time you were in an Agni guy? And it pans over to just his eye in shadow, like lit face, shadow face with the scar. And he just says, I will never forget. It's like, oh, oh, oh. You just get it. You just have a little idea of what could have happened to Zuko to get the scar. And it gives you a lot of ideas and like what kind of i don't know it's just it gives you i'm trying to think of the way to phrase it um it expands the culture of the fire nation i guess that's what i'm trying to say yeah it's just really cool how you know warfare is like built into their very culture you know that's something that just you know oh we've got a dispute 
all right, we're just going to firefight to the death. Right. You know? Yeah. And then when he doesn't, when he doesn't kill Zhao, because he does best him in the end following what's oh. so cool. I love that he follows the things that Iroh's been teaching him since episode one. Just yeah. st- sticking with your basics, knowing your roots. Yep. He does that. He bests Zhao and then decides not to 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 not best to him. him. Like, yeah. to scar him or kill him or anything he just, he just proves walks himself away and then just simply says if the next time i will not i will not hold back i promise you oh and, and that, then it leads to one of my favorite iro moments in the whole show yeah i think it's probably one of the coolest just little glimpses into the mm. power and wisdom that mm. is iro when zhao decides all right well i'm just gonna rear up and kick a giant fireball at him while he's walking away from me and then the way that they do it i like rewound it and watched it a couple times it is done so well as like however they directed it or like you know they drew it and then decided to Mm -hmm. sequence the shots together you see him kick you see his foot and then you see the fireball and it's like a fireball yeah and then all of a sudden it's like in Iroh's hand grabbing his foot. It's yeah. like he he not only stopped the kick, he like stopped yeah. the flames, grabs his foot and just he like only moves his wrist yeah. and just tosses him his whole body. Yeah. And then yeah. he says, even in exile, my nephew is more honorable than you. And that is just yeah and and then when they walk away zuko's like did you really mean what you said and even though he kind of jokes back what does he say back jinxing tea (laughs) yeah i love jinxing tea (laughs) i still love uh that moment because it shows that zuko does kind of gives a shit if iroh considers him an honorable man yeah being honorable is like he's fighting for his honor from his father right and in that moment he's finally getting a little taste of like oh you can be honored by other people not just the people who are shitty to you yeah like his dad but iroh who's actually giving a shit and helping him through this yeah um but yeah i just love that it shows not just his wisdom and just like trying to guide zuko but he just shows up he's he's there i it's because it's almost scary you know what that means that means he knew like he sees how Oh yeah, dishonorable and shitty Zhao is. And he was he ready. Knew he was gonna pull some some BS like that. Oh yeah, if you could see from another angle, he was running towards him before he even got up. You right. know. Yeah. Huh. I wrote about Ang in his little segment. Just there's a point where him and uh, him and Sokka are chasing Momo, and Sokka tries to trip him, and I just thought to myself oh, yeah. like. Trying to trip Aang is like <laughs> he never tries that shit again, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like right. it's just I not love the way work. that's done too, is because like you you see him hold the thing out to like go towards his foot, and then it just pans out, and he's just on the wall. <laughs> yeah, he's just he. Yeah, yeah. I like the way that uh, both of the storylines kind of come together in culmination at the end of the episode because if I remember right, um, they're going back and forth. And Aang goes into the Avatar state. He goes up. All of the temples light up. And they're like, I don't know. What what are we going to do? And then it cuts to the Agni Kai. And you get that whole scene. And then it ends with uh, 
yeah, I love ginseng tea. And you're like, oh, resolution. And then it cuts back and Aang is in the air, lit up in a giant air ball. And they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that that gets settled. And uh, I love uh, I love the ending. I love the way Momo uh, joins the group, brings them a bunch of food. Uh, yeah. The, the, the he, he animal. Yeah. The animal that Sokka was trying to hunt and eat is just like here eat this i the animals are so intelligent in this universe and it just makes for some awesome their characters yeah it's awesome yeah i love momo's little (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it cracks me up do you interpret that as goofy music that plays every time a lemur is on or do you think that is like literally sounds that the lemurs make I think it is a sample. Uh, it's music sampled by sounds the lemurs are making. Okay, yeah, I I, I, can I don't with that. You know, I've gone back I don't and think forth on that, that notion. Me too, many times. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, was his mouth just open? <laughs> One of my most debated and thought about and struggled <laughs> notions in the entirety of Avatar: The Last Airbender is Momo making that sound. Is that sound <laughs> is Momo making that sound. oh man oh and then that final final moment of the whole episode where it's just appa ang and momo looking at the air temple recognizing the fact that they are the last living remnants of the society of of uh the air tribe or the air the air people Air air monks? Air nomads. Air nomads, yeah. Which, doesn't a nomad mean that you're traveling around? They've got kind of a dope uh, setup there in one spot, the temples. Also, and I I was thinking about this. um, Where are the ladies at? (laughs) Where where are the airbender ladies at? That is a thing. One of, in a future episode, I feel like one of the members of council is a woman. If I remember oh, correctly, okay. The one I feel like I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know for a fact that one of Aang's past, oh yeah, Airbenders was a woman. That's not right. just Kiyoshi, who we're about to learn about. Spoilers a little bit here. I'm not yeah. really giving much That's, away. Yeah, but we do episode. see we see at one point, maybe even in this episode, in one of the one of the statues, if you would have like if we would have looked close, I yeah. know that one of the monks uh, was a woman. Yeah, I remember um, that at some point. It comes up. But I don't know if they talk about how they like what they how they have kids because I know that yeah. they are celibate. Oh that's really? like a thing. They don't like get married. Yeah, he says something about that in an episode about not having parents. Like that's just part of it, is just not having a family. Well, and like the whole huh. everyone is your family when you're a monk. He's like part of it is like not as soon as you're born, you're like taken from your parents or something like that. Interesting. I can't remember, and I might be, you know. Well, maybe the talk a little. maybe the air nomad, like the title of that, works in some way. Like, may, I don't know if this is alluded to or anything, but maybe it's something to look out for. Is like maybe the the air society is like mostly nomads, but the monks are the ones that stay at the temples, and they're the ones that are celibate and where you really learn airbending. Whereas like the non-benders are people of normal society that are like nomads who knows who knows i don't know i really don't and we would know a lot more if 
they were still a society. I think that's some, it's harder hitting realizing how little we get to know about yeah. the air nomads. Totally. It's a show. It, the show has balls, not telling us stuff about the most, like we want to know more about them than anyone else. Yeah. It's the main character. Right. And we know less about them than anyone else. Yeah. I just think that's the heartbreakingly beautiful storytelling. Absolutely. Um, I loved that earlier moment in the episode when Katara hides the helmet from Aang, how she mm. snow bends. Yeah. And she does it in the most, it seems like the most comfortable bending she's done so far in the show. She didn't have to like get oh, ready. Yeah. She didn't have to do any form. And when she did it, she just did it. And she did it exactly how she wanted. Maybe her getting a lot on Sokka wasn't intentional. Sure. But it seemed like in the moment, she's now gotten to the point in bending where she is able to just bend on a whim. Right. she needs to real quick. Like before, and like, pretty much the only things she did in the first episodes are like lift a little bit of water and float it around a little bit and freeze water. And when she froze it, she froze it in the wrong area. Right. Like if, if she was at that level for this moment, snow would have moved behind her. But she just knew what to do at this point well enough to push it. And it's small and subtle, but yeah. I love that little little step up for her, you know? Totally. That's a really good point. All right, well, um, sort of wrapping things up, uh, we had this idea to uh, highlight one moment from uh, this week's episode because uh, to try and combat the feeling that we need to justify that it is a kid's show, uh, our favorite kid moment of, of this episode. Uh, and uh, we very much agreed this week. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try not to like bring it up beforehand so we can save this moment for the end in the future but uh gary you wanna you wanna the kid moment of the week goes to Sokka's face when (laughs) katara tells him about the lack of food and it becomes just i how do you even it becomes like these tiny eyes they're close together and just just a a blue whale mouth (laughs) or something like yeah that's, it's wonderful, oh. and it, it just the image alone could send anyone to stitches. Tears of laughter, tears of laughter. There. Well, uh, this. <laughs> so that's uh, the kid moment of the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, little little jovial uh, final note there. This uh, this has been a new lens. Uh, I'm Calvin. I'm Gary. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope. Uh, it's been entertaining to say the least. Yeah, I hope that's the goal. Getting some joy out of it. Everybody's staying safe and healthy. And uh, thanks for joining in.